When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling, Ari Wasserman. What a day! What a day! Andy, what every, a day. every year I feel like there's a, a day like this. Um, I don't know, but like when you're in the moment, you forget all the great days of the past. And like, I guess I'll just rely on my branded hyperbolic nature. <laughs> but that was like the best day ever, dude. Like that was like, it had everything. You know... I would accuse you of recency bias here, except holy cow. I think you may be right because it's there, there was so much going on. You had a a the the Alabama Tennessee game just overshadows everything. If that had been the only crazy result, great game that happened today, that Talk for an would hour have been about enough. that alone. Right. But you also had Michigan destroying Penn State. You had Utah beating USC. By one, you had the game you attended, a double overtime win for TCU against Oklahoma State when we had counted out TCU in the first half. You had Stanford beating Notre Dame. Colorado won. Colorado won. Yeah, Colorado won being yelled into the speakers uh, on a day like this is very amusing to me. But yes, Colorado did win. Um, It is funny, you know, with the prevailing thought and like, I don't know if you saw the column that I wrote, but... I, I wrote basically that this TCU game is worth you know, the headlines that it's it, it would get on any other Saturday and not to forget it in the mix. But like, I don't even know how much time we even have to talk about that with what happened in, I mean, uh, in Knoxville. So, um, you know, the, the day was insane. I thought we got a lot of amazing context. Um, I think we learned a lot about teams. Uh, we might have a new superpower for the year on our hands. Um, is Alabama flawed? I mean, all these things that we have to discuss, the only way we can do it is if, if my trusty host helps me parse through it because I'll just babble for an hour and make no sense whatsoever. So we, we have help, a help long, we have yeah. a long list of stuff, but let us, let us start in Knoxville. Let us start with Josh Heupel and his victory cigar. Mm-hmm. Josh, uh, we saw some pictures from the locker room. How was the cigar? <laughs> I smoked it slow, but it was dang good. All right, so it uh, it was a great, great night, man. If you hadn't had a cigar in a while, that that cigar will give you quite a buzz. So I, I imagine Josh Heupel was buzzing pretty good in his post game press conference. That game was just incredible. Tennessee jumps out to the big lead. Alabama comes back. It's back and forth. It looks like Alabama is going to take over and win. Tennessee finally gets a stop. Alabama, uh, Tennessee doesn't play for overtime. They try to get it down the field in regulation. And then their kicker, who, by the way, was a member of USC's 2017 Pac-12 championship team. That's how old he is. Will never have to buy another beer in the state of Tennessee again. Kicks the knuckleball through 52 to 49. The goalposts 
They were headed down the strip. They were headed down Cumberland. I'm guessing, you know, Cumberland turns into Kingston Pike. I think they're probably in Farragut by now. They might be in Oak Ridge. I have no idea. I don't know the stat on this, but aren't goalposts obscenely expensive to make? Uh, they're not terrible. I mean, I thought they were obscenely expensive these programs to make. No, it's, no, it's no like I know, but grand. it's like it's like so much money. I thought. Oh my god. Um. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Alabama? Or do you want to start with Tennessee? I say we start with Tennessee because they deserve that. They're the new hotness, right? We said on the show all week. We're like, this is their chance to definitively prove that they are good, that they belong. That instead of just okay, they have taken the next step. No, no, they've taken about four more steps because now they've they've got to make sure they don't trip up against Kentucky. But this makes Tennessee Georgia now the biggest game in the SEC this year, and nobody would have said that coming into the season. Yeah, I do think it's kind of funny that Alabama still controls its own destiny to get to the SEC championship game. Oh yeah, uh, which you know kind of stinks when you think about what what's happening here and. You know, I, I think we all kind of have an idea that Nick Saban or we have hate faith that Nick Saban will figure it out. But Tennessee doing what it did, I, I think that it's so easy um, to just jump directly to college football playoff discourse. And is this team good enough to win it all and all the stuff that you, you talk about? And really, I think that it might be even secondary to what this means to this program, to its build, to its legitimacy, um, to all the things that it has been trying to shake for so many years. I mean, is that fair to just say that what happens next is almost it's like house money at this point? It is absolutely house money. I don't think anybody went into this season thinking they were going to win the East or that they were going to win the SEC. That certainly is a possibility now. Absolutely. The way they played today suggests yeah. they absolutely can win the East. It says they it says they absolutely can win the SEC. I know everybody's going to spend their playoff scenarios about well, if they lose close to Georgia and then Georgia goes on and beats Bama in the SEC championship game. Let's not even worry about that. I think tonight. there's plenty of time to talk about that we this have, year. Yeah, we yeah. have months to worry about that. Let's talk about where these people were in January 2020, or excuse me, January 2021, when they fired Jeremy Pruitt. Everybody going to the transfer portal. There were a lot. Of the the our friend Fred from Freezing Cold Takes had a field day today with the people who trashed the Josh Heupel hire. When it was made, said no, this guy, you're just going to get your old coach from UCF, Danny White. You're not, you're not even trying. Turns out he hired the right guy for the job. Like we said on the show, yeah. what Josh Heupel's done at Tennessee special. I think now you see how special that is. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to even contextualize it. Like I don't even know if it's even possible. You know, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about Lance Leipold and what he's done at Kansas in, in a short amount of time. But to beat Alabama on your home field to advance to 6-0 and um, and to do it by dropping 50 on them. Right. This was not a fluky win. Alabama did play badly, but they did have a lot of penalties. But And that's Alabama, what happens when you play in a stadium like that, by the way. Yeah, but also Alabama yeah. has played poorly twice this year. Yeah. Before that, they played poorly against Texas and poorly against Texas A&M. So, but it doesn't even matter. Like, like, if you do think that Alabama is mortal and they almost lost uh, two games to Texas schools this year, where even mortal Alabama 
intersecting at this point into Knoxville and losing to Tennessee at this point in their build is inconsequentially important. I mean, it's insanely important. I don't think I used that word correctly, but hopefully the length no, of the word. I, I get what you're saying. The length of the word Beating shows how Alabama, serious I'm being. Yeah. Whether Alabama is flawed or not, Alabama is still one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. I mean, the talent on that roster, the coach that it's, it's led by, I mean, like the right. legitimacy that it brings to your program. And Andy, I'll tell you, I was covering this TCU game and it was a hell of a game. But the first three quarters of that game, by the way, I'm buying an iPad. I'm not going to a game ever again without an iPad next to me because it's like I can't. I'm sitting here looking over at, at the computer. You watched, you watched like, mine all last week at the Alabama yeah, I know. game. Just like, I can't, like, yeah, I got I to make I this happen. I don't care how much they cost. I'm tired of, of toggling, between, toggling between screens. But I watched the majority of that game, um, and I missed the end because I was down on the field at TCU. But, like, Tennessee was awesome. Like, every time it seemed like, okay, here comes the Alabama death blow. Up, oh, Alabama's up by seven. The 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 mesh point that they fumbled and they scooped and scored. Uh, that's it. 49-42. Game over. It just seemed like Tennessee was back in the red zone or running in a sixty yard touchdown after every punch. And like the idea of of defense and and all the stuff that it takes, um, you know, to win a national championship, I think is all secondary. The fact of the matter is, is that a Tennessee team that is weak mentally in all the things that you do doesn't punch back because Alabama kept punching and punching and punching Mm -hmm. down 28 to 10. Everybody Bryce young is a, a freaking magician. I mean, he is, he's amazing. Those stutter, those like those hesitation moves, uh, you know, to get people to fall over in the pocket when he's about to get sacked. And then, I mean, the kid is special and having Bryce young on your team keeps you in any game, no matter what, but dude, Tennessee was resilient. I I want to address impressive thing about it. 72's, comment in the uh, in the live chat here why does the josh heupel talk feel like mel tucker talk from last year it does not feel like mel tucker talk this would be like if mel tucker had beaten ohio state last year instead of getting destroyed by ohio state last year yeah no i mean I don't, it's a big I don't, difference i don't see any similarity very key whatsoever. distinction i mean so, this is testimony this is I yeah mean, this is this is the thing that you're building toward like yep. mel, mel tucker had <laughs> He had plenty of things to be excited about. They had a much better season than you would have anticipated, but this is the end of the road for Tennessee. Yeah. Beating is, Alabama, you is can the, beat Alabama is the last you boss. You can beat everyone. What's that that's last what that boss and, and Mike Tyson's punch out? Like, that's what this is. Yeah. They just knocked out Mike Tyson. Well. Or is Georgia Mike Tyson? I was going to say. No, but personally, <laughs> Alabama is to these people. Are they? Right I don't now? Know. Are they? You tell me. I don't know. I think they are, but you didn't take me to Knoxville have, on the road trip. You still so have know. to beat. Well, you don't have to beat Georgia, but symbolically, you, though, you have to be competitive with Georgia still, which they can be, and we know they can be because we just saw them beat Alabama. Andy, what win is more important symbolically to the people? I think either one would work fine, but this one was huge because it's Nick Saban, because it's Bryce Young, because of it's it's all of that. Now, here's the thing: Hendon Hooker looked so comfortable. And remember, he's playing without his best receiver. Cedric Tillman's still not back. Cedric Tillman will be back at some point this season, but he's not back yet. He looked absolutely unflappable, which you, you, if you didn't listen to this show, you know how I feel about him. I said it last year. He looks like a guy that you'd be like, I absolutely want to play with that guy. I yeah. follow him anywhere. That type of person. Yep. 
And it really showed because Alabama's pass rush can unnerve people. You saw we saw it in person with Haynes King last week. You know, he just didn't know what to do. And Hendon Hooker, even when they got near him, it didn't matter. He always knew what to do. He always seemed calm and comfortable, which is what Bryce Young is on the other side as well. But we've already seen that from Bryce Young against the best of the best. Dude, the fact of the matter is, is that when he fumbled that mesh point there Mm -hmm. and Alabama scooped and scored it. That should have been it. A weak man goes into a hole somewhere and like curls up into a ball. I would have. Yeah. The fact that they that they were able to to win the game after that. Stunning. Stunning, stunning, stunning. And like we're getting comments over here. Vaughn in our comments here is Hooker the front runner for the Heisman over Stroud now. I mean, I think maybe odds he might be. Now maybe Stroud is still the favorite because, you know, Tennessee well, the thing still is has- there's a lot of there's a lot of time left. I mean, Hinnon Hooker's gonna get to play Georgia. There's a chance he may play in the SEC championship game, depending on what happens against Georgia. So uh, that'll all get figured out. That that's not something again, like like the playoff scenarios. We we don't have to consider those today. Let's just celebrate the game Hendon Hooker had, the game Jalen Hyatt had. Like Jalen Hyatt had six catches for 207 yards and five touchdowns against Alabama. Do you know what the Hyatt logo is? I mean, the Hyatt slogan is? What is the Hyatt slogan? We care for people so that they can be their best. (laughs) How do we, how do we kind of morph that into? If if he doesn't have a deal with Hyatt tomorrow, Hyatt needs to close. I'm I'm (laughs) just trying to think like what, what, what Jalen Hyatt sleep well tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, you're not going to sleep well if you're a DB, but yes, if you if he's on your team, you'll no, sleep yeah, well. No, yeah, tennis, Knoxville, Jalen Hyatt's got you. Sleep well. So oh, you can and, be and yourself. By the way, I, I did see a lot of Alabama fans after the game on social media blaming the refs. You gave up 52 points. You can't blame the refs when you give up half a hundred. Every Sorry. single time I looked over and cracked my neck looking at somebody else's iPad, Tennessee was running down the sideline with nobody in front of them. So I, I think that I don't even know what ref situation they're talking about. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Andy, I got to ask you, man. One to ten. Ten being flabbergasted. How surprised are you? Nine? Because I I did say, like, I picked Alabama to cover. I did say I wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee won, even if Bryce Young played. But as I saw it play out, and as you pointed out, especially after the Dallas Turner scoop and score, I was sure Alabama was going to win. Positive. And then when Tennessee gets the ball back for that last possession, and you see Hendon Hooker come out on the field, and you're like, I'll tell you what it felt like. It felt like watching Bryce Young come back out on the field for the last possession against Texas. 
It felt like watching Deshaun Watson come back out on the field for the last possession against Alabama in that national title game in Tampa, where you're like, wow, this guy just kind of knows what's going to happen now. And I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I had confidence that he'd make it happen. Yeah. I mean, your love affair started a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. As we were watching the Ole Miss game. Right. The the, the mustard bottle and the golf ball. But Hendon Hooker was getting the crap kicked out of him in that game and kept getting up. And I was like, this guy, something about him. And you you can go back and listen to, to when we had him on the podcast in the spring. You can tell this is a person people want to follow and that, that people just gravitate toward. Now, Bryce Young is the same thing on the other side. I, I don't want to give Bryce Young short shrift here. He is a joy to watch. Like I love watching Bryce Young interact with his teammates, especially after plays when something goes wrong. Because he's always reassuring them, he's always like, "No, no, we got it." We're, we're, and and you can tell he's calming them down. And it was that quarterback matchup. We're not worthy of that. We just weren't. I think that that's the thing that that brought me so much joy watching that game is watching two people who are so good at what they do. And those poor defenses. I mean, both those defenses got shredded at times. So it'll be interesting almost 1200 yards of total offense in that game. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Let's, you know, if they were to meet again in Atlanta, would the game go the same way or would the defenses be better either way? It's, it's an interesting question. Can Tennessee score like that against Georgia? Another interesting question. And here's the thing, Ari, we're asking that question now. It's the third Saturday in October, and we are asking that question. And we don't have to think about, oh, it's just Alabama, and it's just Georgia, and those are the only ones who have a chance. No, there's another team that has a chance, and it's Tennessee, the team that we thought would never get out of the dumpster. Do you know what Tennessee As recently as 18 months ago. Where Tennessee ranks in the 247 talent composite? It's not... Around Alabama or Georgia, it's probably not terrible. It's probably, what, what about 16? 19. Okay. And this is the first time. God, I cannot believe I'm saying this. Uh-oh. Oh, no. This is the first time that I think a team not in the top eight has a legitimate chance to win the national title this year. Wow. <laughs> Are like, you I, saying that stars may not matter? I don't know what he did, but if that were to happen... And I, I maybe I'm like 10 steps ahead of everybody. And, you know, it's 11 o'clock. I've been working for the past 12 hours. And I got a workout in this morning, believe it or not. Maybe I'm delirious. But they're legitimate national championship contenders now, right? Yes, because if you can beat Alabama, you can beat. Now, Texas A&M beat Alabama last year and was not a national title contender. But the difference is Tennessee's not lost yet. Tennessee does things like go to LSU and just destroy them. And you saw LSU play much better on Saturday night in Gainesville and beat Florida. So, yes, we definitely have to consider Tennessee a national title contender right now. That could change when we see him play Georgia. But right now, they're absolutely in that conversation. 
Yeah, and the one thing I will say too, and I tweeted this during the game, but I was watching the aerial shots. This is no disrespect for TCU because TCU had a sold-out crowd today. It wasn't even one-fifth as loud in TCU Stadium as it was in Bryant-Denny last week. I cannot imagine how loud it was in Knoxville and Neyland. I longed to be there. I know we have a lot of discussions about college football playoff expansion and playoffs and rankings and all these things. But I think that it's important on this podcast before we move on to any other topic to bask in the glory of the spectacle of what that game was Oh, in that city. There's, there's, there's parts of goalposts in the Tennessee river. I there think goalposts being walked down Cumberland. If like, you weren't there, you missed out on a, one of the best days ever. And it's like, there are times where I'm like, oh, I wish I was at that game. I really feel like I missed out today not being there. Like real FOMO. It would it would have been spectacular. Fortunately, you can read what David Oven wrote, what Joe Rex wrote, wrote, what Aaron Suttles wrote. We did have three guys there from The Athletic. And, and thank goodness for that because what a scene. What, just yeah. a catharsis. For Tennessee. Yeah, talk about the cathartic games on the show. This is one of those. It's got to be up. I mean, it's got to be number one, right? Or tied with Michigan, Ohio State last year. I I mean, that's there's been a lot of college football existed a long time before 2021. So there are there are no, I'm saying just the recent ones. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, the, the t- those are definitely the two biggest in, in recent vintage. In, yeah, for sure. yeah. I don't know what happened in 1983, but I'm sure there's been similar stuff back in the day. But, you know, the thing that you have to think about, too, is how long have people in Knoxville been craving even a semblance of legitimacy or a semblance of respect? You know, think about all the things that they've been through, the coaches, the NCAA sanctions, the Greg Schiano situation, like everything that went on there and has gone on there. The Lane Kiffin stuff, even mm-hmm. to be here right now, undefeated after beating Alabama at home and having one of the best atmospheres, or at least what I saw on TV, that the sport could possibly ever have. Like just in that moment for the next 24 hours to soak that in before you start worrying about your next opponent or Kentucky or Georgia going on the road, whatever, like just that moment right now is what makes this sport incredible. And like, I'm happy for these people because they, you know, absolutely. Uh, Taz nine, nine, seven, you left something off your list. The groomers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Think, it's a think long about list. that. Think about that. These are the people who longed. And, and look, I know not every Tennessee fan believed the groomers, but I know some of you did. <laughs> and you longed for John Gruden to come. There's a lot of groomers you. out there, bud. Every yeah. single time, yeah. But Ohio yeah, State the- had groomers when they hired Jim Tressel. I learned that <laughs> in that Solstice story last week. Yeah. So this is, but this this was one of those days in Knoxville that the people who are in that stadium will remember it forever. They'll tell their grandchildren about it. There were 102,000 people in that stadium. I would venture that a million people will eventually claim to have been in that stadium that day. But it looked amazing it looked like the perfect college football environment and just the sheer joy of those people it's andy too and you know what you know as we're here the day that it happened trying to you know bring context to it 
the thing that's really awesome about it is now Tennessee is a main fixture in our discussions moving forward too. Yes. Everything we discuss about college football's race to the playoff, um, all the things every week, the picks, the games, the Georgia game, they get another one. There's a lot of Tennessee to discuss. Um, and being back in that discussion point, especially for people who complain that we only focus on the big schools, you know how you Tennessee's get a pretty fo- big school. No, no. On the main, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, yeah. Georgia, Clemson in the in the last few years. This is a lesson A and how to how to shove your way back into that scenario. So they are they are relevant. That's the best word to describe them. Tennessee yeah. is relevant. And I think Tennessee was relevant before this, but they're absolutely positively 100% without a doubt relevant now. And this is what they've been pushing toward. And now they're here and now they have a golden opportunity. I mean, admittedly, you want to know how bad inflation is? Yesterday, yes, I had a nice lunch at Taco Bell. Cost me about $28 at Taco Bell for lunch. People need to pay for those things. And they do that by getting jobs and getting in the economy and getting active and getting involved. Wait a minute. You spent $28 at Taco Bell for just yourself? (laughs) For lunch. Yeah, it's it's true. Okay. That's That's a lot of chalupas. That's an inflation story. That is. He's a thin. You're both thin, fit guy. I can't see. Me, that's just like the opening appetizer, but whatever. Yes. I'm going to have to live Moss because I said that Penn State would cover against Michigan. And oh my God, Ari, was I wrong. I'm a. Michigan annihilated Penn State. Michigan ran the ball 55 times for 418 yards. It was as do- it was more dominant than when Michigan beat Ohio State last year. It was incredible. I'm a conspiracy theory guy sometimes. Okay. And I think that you knew in your heart and in the back of your head that that was going to happen, but you took Penn State. No, I, I didn't because... Michigan had had clobbered three very overmatched opponents. They had played fairly close games against Maryland and Indiana. Penn State seemed better than Maryland and Indiana. And so I figured it was going to be a fairly close affair. I did not think that Michigan would absolutely manhandle Penn State, but they 100% did. That was... I think the you know, stat was that Penn State had one first down at halftime. Well, it was it was wild to me that Penn State kept it so close in the first half, and I was actually up 17-16 at one point mm-hmm. because they made a few big plays. They they had a they had a scoop and was the scoop and score a pick, six, a pick, six. A pick six, and then and then they had a big a big Trace Mc, or I call it Trace McSorley a big Sean Clifford run that set up a, another score, but. Then they couldn't do anything. And it, it was Michigan was better the entire time as Penn State had taken advantage of a couple big plays and played some decent red zone defense in the first half. Yep. Michigan was always the better team, though. Because Michigan, uh, I think, was inside the 10 on their first two drives and came away with only three. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you stay in these types of games. And then that pick six happened. I was like, oh, God. I was like, how could a team? That's college football. I feel like that doesn't happen in the NFL where one team can be completely dominating the other. And then you, you add in a few pieces of grab ass into the, the Jaguars Texans game last week. Did it? But yeah. Did you watch it, that? Yeah, it's it it it, it, it happens it, sometimes, but not much more much more often in college. And yeah, where just like one team was just kind of it's so it was so abundantly clear that Michigan was up and up and away better. 
Uh, and then they were losing 17 to 16. You like look up into the stars, like how is this happening? It almost felt like, you know, the avalanche is coming. And the thing that I was most impressed with too, with, with Michigan um, is the fact that like Donovan Edwards, the former five-star running back that they needed out of, out of Michigan complimented Corum and, and rushed for 173 yards and Corum rushed for 166. And it's like, you can say what you want about JJ McCarthy and, and the quarterback situation that we started off, you know, whether it was biblical or not. Like if this team is going to mash people like that, they can beat anybody. Well, and the other thing is, I still think they can throw the ball when they need to. Right. Like JJ McCarthy said after the game, if we're running like that, I'm happy to be along for the ride. And that's a very smart way of looking at things. Sure, sure. But there were points in that game where he threw the ball and and looked very comfortable. Like, I'm not worried about them if they get into a game where he's got to throw them to a win. Well, here's the thing. They beat Penn State in very similar fashion to the way that they beat Ohio State last year. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at Michigan and wondering whether or not this is a, a Big Ten champion caliber team, that can go to the playoff again, you have to be certainly, you know, warm inside at the idea that this team can still win those types of games against the better teams in the conference. Yeah. So, you know, we still have a lot to learn about context in terms of what this Penn state, uh, this Penn state team is and who they will be. Uh, But when you look at Michigan's schedule right now and the way that they can do it, like you always say, Andy, that travels, man, that, I mean, that's a, that's a thing that, that you can rely on. Yes. Up front on both sides of the ball absolutely travels. And, you know, we talk about Caleb Williams as as maybe the biggest prize out of the transfer portal this year. Can I add a, a, a nominee for sure. Michigan? Olu Oluwatimi, the center who came from Virginia. He might be the most important person who came out of the transfer portal this year. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best in the country, right? He's incredible. I mean, he was good at Virginia, but he's just yeah. been incredible for Michigan. Kind of, you know, just exactly what they needed as they as they try to revamp that offensive line, uh, you know, and and replace guys they lost. It was that was beautiful. Like watching them maul Penn State was a beautiful way. You know to, what it kind of reminded me of in the game in the second half. Not to bring up bad memories, but maybe it wasn't quite as ugly. But remember during COVID when Wisconsin did that to Michigan? Yes. I, I remember the screenshot I took of it was it was kind of sing it was man up blocking and hat on a hat, as the offensive line coaches like to say, where every single Michigan player was blocked and you or I could have gained twenty yards on the play. And that was a crossroads in the Jim Harbaugh era, right? At mm-hmm. that point, when that game happened against Wisconsin, where they just got physically dominated, people were wondering if this team checked out or if he lost this team or if this was it, right? Now to watch Michigan not only beat Ohio State um, that way, but to, to, to return this year, get a transfer, like you said, on the offensive line and to do that again and that to become them, to take on that identity and to be that type of team. Um, that's all you could ask for from your head coach. So, and I've been the most critical person that a person possibly could be on a head coach, but you know, every single week that they continue to do this and they're undefeated and they're winning games. I mean, it's really hard not to like what they have brewing. Well, they, they found an identity that works for them. And right. You know, I, Sharon Moore, I think has a lot to do with that. The offensive line coach who's also the offense co-offensive coordinator, uh, I think he's done a, a fabulous job since he's gotten there. 
I just like it when teams know what they are. And, and we've talked about two of those today. And obviously Alabama is one of those as well. But, but Tennessee and Michigan were teams that didn't have a defined identity for a long, long time. Yep. And now it feels like they do. Like I know exactly what I'm going to get from them. And the question with Michigan always is, does that identity travel to the playoff scenario? But I guess if you can beat Ohio State, then you can beat anybody, right? So the fact of the matter is, is that like this, this I don't know if they have a defensive line this year to do it. Maybe they do. They lost some really, really good players after yeah. last year. Mozzie Smith's pretty damn um, good, though. Yeah, yeah, he is. And he's uh, the number one freak, right? So he is the number one, um, number one on Bruce's freaks list. That's right. You know, they have guys, uh, but the fact of the matter is, is they kind of have the team that might have more upside at the quarterback position this year. And I'm very curious to see like if JJ McCarthy, who I think has a lot, a long way to go in terms of being a reliable passer. Um, but if he starts flourishing and you add like an elite level quarterback that has some special playmaking uh, potential uh, on top of his running ability, and you give your offense another element to to defend, then you become more competitive on a high level. So I, I think that this is a very exciting team. And listen, Andy, anybody who follows recruiting knew that Donovan Edwards was a stud. But if he's a stud like this, um, I don't know that you can find a better one-two punch at running back in anywhere in the country. And I you match it up right. with an offensive line like that, they've got a really good football team. And the thing is, you know, we ask, well, what happens if they play a Georgia? Would the same thing happen again? I actually think Maybe. if they can beat this Ohio State team, that probably answers. Because that, that Ohio State team they beat last year didn't have a very good defense. When they face Ohio State this year, they'll play an Ohio State team that looks a lot more like a Georgia or an Alabama type team. Yeah. The problem with Michigan will always be that if they beat Ohio State, they got a Big Ten championship game against an Iowa type team or whatever. But then they got to go do it two more times to win a national title. And it's like, it's not a matter of whether or not you think this Michigan team can beat Ohio State or beat a team like that once. It's whether or not they can do it three out of four games. So, yeah. you know, but and that's a conversation they, for down the line. I don't know if they line. can, but yeah. I'll take this identity to do that. Like, this is the best identity to create to do something like that. Yeah. And I thought a lot of people were probably anticipating that Michigan was going to take a major step back this year. I might've been one of them. Um, they have not. So, you know, they have a bye week then they think they play Michigan state. Uh, then they get Rutgers and Nebraska back to back and, you know, they get a home game against that pesky Illinois team that won uh, on Saturday too. So we'll be right back after these words. Before we get to the game, you were at, let's talk about Illinois because yeah, let's do that it, Illinois defense is straight up nasty. I had people ask me, are you going to talk about Illinois' defense? Are you going to talk about Ryan Walters? I'm like, yes, we're going to talk about him. But, you know, them making Iowa's offense look silly, it doesn't really tell us much because Iowa's offense looks silly most of the time. But Minnesota, with most of its players, and Mo Ibrahim played, it wasn't like the Purdue game where he didn't play, They, I think they gained 180 yards total in that game against Illinois. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Illinois just stuffed them over and over and over again. And Tommy DeVito played and, and looked good. And listen, I it, here's the question. Is Illinois now the front runner for the Big Ten West title? Or is it the well, Illinois gonna ask game you. that's going to decide it? Nebraska next week or two weeks from now on the road. They're probably going to win that, right? 
I would think so. Nebraska might be put a tough up a good game. fight against Purdue, but I, I think Illinois is probably better. Michigan State stinks. That's their next game, right? Michigan State won in overtime against Wisconsin. They, they did for for the Sparties. It's uh okay. Maybe they kind of stink. I don't know how you want to how to phrase it. They're not very good. They're no. not very good this year. I agree. Then the biggest game of the year for for Illinois is um, Purdue, right? It's Purdue uh, at home. Like they play Michigan, but it doesn't matter. They can lose to Michigan, right? Um, and then on the road at Northwestern to close the year out. So you know, I mean, you're looking at a nine and three team, maybe, and ten and ten and two. Yeah, and I think their only loss of the year. There was some bullshit call at the in the back of the it's end in zone. the Indiana game. They shouldn't have lost. Yeah, the game. They, yeah, they probably should be undefeated. And you know, it'd be like the Indiana Syracuse discussion of the of the afternoon. But like, um, damn, yeah, I mean. There are a lot of coaches who have turned stuff around very quickly in places that you would think were hopeless. Yeah, Brett Bielema is is doing that now. He said on the radio show after the game that the, this is the first time Illinois has beaten Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota since he was 13 years old. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> but that's Dude, is that's, he like I don't know what Brett Bielema's situation is there, but like is he like the ideal Big Ten coach, and is he going to get another job or offered, or is he is he like going to be? He's the ideal Big Ten West coach. Unfortunately, the Big Ten West is going to cease to exist in a year or two. That's the problem. Yeah. So that style is perfect for that division. I'm speaking Brett Bielema to Iowa and exist into existence. I mean, he went there. I know, but so did Mark Stoops. So he's tatted can, up, bro. We can we can. Well, Brett Bielema has a Hawkeye tattoo. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we can we can speculate on that later. We we got to focus <laughs> on these games right now, and I, and I want to talk about the game you were at because sure, I came in thinking Oklahoma State is the best team in the Big Twelve, and they're going to show it on Saturday. And for two quarters, they did, and then TCU got up off the mat. Max Duggan was like, "Nope." Kid's tough, we're not going to let this happen in our house. And he's, it came he's back. really tough. Um, yeah, that game was so hard to watch for three quarters because it just like felt like they were messing around and trading field goals. And, you know, TCU was down by two scores the entire second half. And then, you know, uh, Oklahoma State went up 30 to 16 in the end of the th- with a minute 25 left in the third quarter. And that was it. TCU was like, you know what? We're home, our game. The rest, they had four regulation drives left after going up 30 to 16. Oklahoma State did three punts and a pick. Mm. Didn't do anything. Duggan led two drives uh, for touchdowns in the fourth quarter to tie the game. Um, then Oklahoma State got the ball back with like a minute left, and I think it was three and out. Then in overtime, um, TCU scored on the second play. And then uh, Oklahoma State tied it with theirs. And then, you know, that was the only positive thing that happened for the rest of the game. So um, that, uh, to me, is a very, very nice, gutsy win. And, you know, I'm sure you saw the stat, Andy, but um, this is the second time in college football history that there have been three games pitting 5-0 and teams against each other. Yeah. So it's a pretty historic day. Just coming into it, when you look at the matchups that we had, you know, we don't get all that stuff, um, you know, on a, on a yearly basis. And that's kind of the reason why my recency bias showed at the beginning of the game or the podcast. 
but this game will be the te- the one that nobody really talks about because it got um, overshadowed by Tennessee and Michigan. I will say that in the Big 12, TCU probably has a hard road to go undefeated, and I don't want to put the cart before the horse of the playoff discussion, but they've already beaten Oklahoma, and they've already beaten Oklahoma State. There is no team left on their schedule that they cannot beat. And they have a tough game against Kansas State next weekend, and, you know, the Big 12 is weird, and maybe they'll lose. But the fact of the matter is, is we're going into the end of October now, and this team is undefeated. Um, two of its prototypically tough, toughest challenges already on the win column. It's a team that we should be tracking more closely. Yes. Because I would say right now they have the best chance of anybody to make the Big 12 title game. I think they probably need to beat Kansas State and will feel pretty comfortable that they're going to they're going to find their way there because K-State's really good. And yep. that's that's a tough, you know, that's a tough style to play against. But the the we you know the other thing too that we always say about, you know, um teams that win differently is like that's a good thing. You know, they lay 100 points on Oklahoma with no resistance at all and then they stink for three quarters and then erase a 14-point deficit. And I think the stat is that the last 20 times TCU's been down by 14 points in the fourth quarter, they've lost. Um, and that didn't happen tonight. So this is a versatile win, a big win. And you know what? Oklahoma State's done nothing but win these types of games under Mike Gundy. Yeah. This is, the, this is Oklahoma State patented win, and TCU took it from them. Sonny Dykes, I think, is a good offensive mind. Uh, there's a lot there to like about what we saw there. And, you know, I wrote a story about it. It won't get read. This is probably <laughs> the 15th most uh, interesting story of the week. Uh, but I do think that. This little game that we're talking about right now uh, in a month from now could be a very big game uh, yes. in, in terms of what really well, and, you know, and Oklahoma State, I'm not counting them out either. Right. You know, I think the they're 12. very much alive in the Big 12 race. And uh, th- there's a lot, a lot of games left between a lot of teams that have a chance. And again, you've got your Baylors and your Texas Techs who probably aren't going to, to be in the championship game but who can absolutely influence who plays in it. Also, your Iowa State. Iowa State should have beaten Texas on Saturday. And yeah, I, I was going to – we were watching that in the press box, and I was like, this is the exact thing that continually happens there, and they avoided it. But they won, and I think well, for Texas, that's a yeah. huge step because that is a game – Because some receiver inexplicably jumped up to catch a pass he didn't have to jump to and fell on his face. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on. They lost that game, but won. You know, I, I just like, when are we going to get past this stuff, Longhorns? When are we going to get past it? But they won. I know. They didn't lose it. Like, that's a step it's forward. Like Clark Griswold at the blackjack table when he pushes the dealer. <laughs> I didn't lose. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, but baby steps. I mean, that's the thing. We saw them do it against Texas Tech. They they did it again. We're like, oh, forget it. They're Texasing again. Like, this is not happening. It, or just give up on them now. But they had another game like that, and they, they overcame it. So I'm not counting out Texas either, although that was pretty pretty disheartening probably if you're a Texas fan at home. But again... Not counting them out for what, the Big 12 title? For the Big 12 title. Yeah, yeah you got a lot I, of yeah, one-loss undefeated teams in that conference. And the Big 12, more so than any of the Power 5 conferences, is like one big glop of like everybody. Yeah. And that's like always been that way. So Oklahoma being out of it, even though they did beat Kansas. Um, well, let, let's talk about that because Dylan yeah. Gabriel comes back. They had a functional offense again. Scored a thousand points. 
They still gave up 42 to Kansas. They did. Well, and Kansas how, is good, right? How good is Vegas? Nine-point line, Oklahoma won by 10. Yeah, it finished at 10 and a half, actually. So did it? A lot okay, of people, wow. A lot of people, so like, Kansas covered the end, at the end there. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm not going to give them crap for giving up a bunch of points to Kansas. Kansas is good. Um, the fact that they didn't look completely and utterly dysfunctional, I guess, shows you how important Dylan Gabriel is to this. But, you know, that was a really rough week for them. And they came back and got a big win, so good for them. All right, so I am probably not going to have to pay Ari a thousand dollars this year. I think mm-hmm. I think we we feel very comfortable about that after Saturday night. Though I will say, when Utah lined up for the two point conversion after their final touchdown against USC, I just assumed, nope, this isn't it. They're they're going to lose this. And I hated that call. Kyle Did with- you hate it? <sighs> There's too much time left for it. I didn't it, love I think. it. <laughs> I think you well, do you, that when there's no time left. Well, and don't you do that when you're on the road? Now, I I, I know this. The, the saying is, if you have the the less talented team, you're supposed to try to end the game. Yeah, they were because favored. You don't want to yeah. give the more talented team more cracks at the at the at winning the game. So, but it didn't matter. They had another crack. Rising, there was enough time left. Yeah. Well. We can get into the clock and and the phantom. Well, two timeouts in forty seconds stoppage. typically is a, an eternity for a team like that. But well, yeah. also Lincoln Riley could have used those two timeouts to put more time on the clock, but he didn't. So he he could have used them while Utah was was down on the goal line. But Caleb Williams threw for three hundred eighty one yards and five touchdowns. Great game. He's incredible. Unfortunately, it looks like Jordan Addison's lost for a while for USC, which sucks. But USC's defense, you, you could kind of tell early in the game, USC's defense was going to be suspect against Utah. And Utah just kept pounding away at them. Dalton Kincaid had 15 catches for 217 yards. That is a tremendous performance by a tight end. Yeah, I mean, and, that's like the, that's the kryptonite for USC, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know if it manifested the way that you said it would at the off, you know, in the beginning of the year. But maybe it did, you know. Maybe they just yeah. Got I, out I don't. They they have not looked like they've been pushed around. It's more that they they struggle to cover. And yeah. look, UCLA is probably the the team that they have the best best chance of losing to in the regular season. And you UCLA will try to ram it down their throats. And I don't know if that'll happen or not. But I, I do think UCLA is capable of doing that. And then Oregon's more than likely the team they would see in the Pac-12 title game. And Oregon looks like they could score quite a bit on USC. Yeah. I mean, USC is uh, all but eliminated. They're not eliminated yet. They could, if they, if they run the table, I think they're very much in play. I think that, I think that the Pac-12 kind of, it kind of takes it away a little bit. Well, and also like Oregon getting smashed by Georgia at the beginning. If Oregon winds up being the one seed in the Pac-12 going into the championship game, that, that loss to, to Georgia will just sort of loom over everything. Yeah. But let's not, again, I don't want to get into the playoff speculation yet. We don't have to do that. It's been a magical day. But we do this case because, right, because we're financially that. bound to it. Yeah. Well, the, I good, mean, the good news for you is on Monday, while we record Tuesday's show, uh, you and Max Olson are going to watch me eat $28 with a Taco Bell because Michigan covered. So Did you figure it out yet, what you're going to get? I have not. I, I, I'm, I'm toying with a few different options. I'm. I really want to try those Cinnabon things. 
they've got the little little Cinnabon balls that have the the frosting inside them. Those look mm. amazing. I've never eaten nacho fries before. I'd like to try those. I was a big double decker taco fan back in the day. That was something I ate a lot of in, in high school and college. And they don't have those anymore, but they do have the double decker chalupa where it's a hard taco wrapped in a chalupa. And there's a you can get the Doritos Locos taco wrapped in a chalupa. Oh, that sounds pretty good. I might I might just get a bunch. Uh, of I'm those. very curious how you're going to handle this because you want to try a bunch of the cheap stuff, which is going to make the amount of food you get much more. Right. Than it I, would I'm be. not really interested in steak burrito to be honest with you. And that's yeah, I, that's like eight bucks. I could just knock it out. Yeah, I mean, right if, there. You, if you buy a bunch of stuff off the the dollar menu that you want to try. Well, the spicy, the, the the chalupa, spicy potato. The chalupa I want is something like two seventy five or three bucks. So that adds up. Yeah, I guess so. If you want to eat five of them, and the the cinnamon things, if I want to get the the twelve pack, which I do, I shouldn't from a calorie standpoint, but I do want to get the twelve pack. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But back to USC. It is what we worried about. You know, would they would they break down defensively? They did. You know, they're not a perfect team. We didn't expect them to be a perfect team in year one under Lincoln Riley. I, I don't think I don't think this says, oh, Lincoln Riley is doing a bad job or anything like that. I think they're going to be fine. I think they may go 10 and two this year. And that's that's perfect progress for where where they where they started. But it does show you what needs to happen. And the fact that. Some of the same stuff that was happening at Oklahoma defensively is happening at USC defensively means that they got to get that tightened up. You have a defensive coordinator who had an issue at Ohio State. You had a defensive coordinator who had some issues at Oklahoma. And you have a defensive coordinator now who's in charge of a defense that couldn't cover anybody. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, if it's too soon to point the finger at anybody, but like there is a pattern of leaky defenses uh, under their defensive coordinator that needs to get mapped out. Because if you get drawn into one of these games in the Pac-12, and you know who does that really well, it's UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could get uncomfortable. So it, I'm I'm a little disappointed, uh, not just because of the finances of it, but I think USC being good is good for the sport. Um. And I thought for sure that they were, you know, especially during at times in this game, um, I believe that they were up. Were they up by two scores at one point? Yeah, they were uh, right they before were, yes. halftime that we were going to get to live the dream again uh, for at least another week. But, you know, they weren't supposed to do it in year one. Um, they get some linemen. They get some, def- you know, more development. Another year of Caleb Williams after this, I think that they have a chance to be really good next year, too. So. And if they run the table this year, maybe things will get freaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, they're in the mix if they run the table. But there's another team that's going to be in the mix, I think, too, and that is the Clemson Tigers. They yep. went to Tallahassee. <laughs> Line was three and a half. They won by four, and LSU tacked on two touchdowns late to, to make it close. I think I feel like Clemson really won this game right before half. When Florida State was driving, I think Clemson was up three points, and they take the ball away, go down and score very quickly, and it feels like they just stole all the momentum. And then, yeah, they won by six. Uh, oh, it was six. Two. It's thirty-four twenty-eight. My bad. I'm sorry. And, yeah, I'm it's okay. But what you said is true. Um, two touchdowns late in the game for 
I mean, it was 34-14, so that's what's important here. And I, and I want to ask you this because um, it's something that I've been thinking about, and I'm thinking maybe I've been a little bit too harsh on Clemson. Should we still be on alert for horrific offensive performance game, or are we past that now? I think we're past that. There was a play, their first touchdown, where Florida State sent a blitz at DJ Uangale, and he just sidestepped it and uncorked one of the more beautiful deep balls you'll ever see. And I, like I said, I've I have come around on DJ. I am I am a, officially a convert. Yeah. Because uh, if you good. think if you think that we're past the oh boy, what the hell's going on with this offense phase of the Clemson experience this I think year? We are. I mean, don't sleep. We got cues coming into town. Well, next that weekend. was yeah. that was what we're going to talk about next because. Which is, they, by the way, another one of these coaches pulling an impossible job. Not, it's not so early in his tenure, but Dino well, Babers. Dino had another good year like this. Remember Dino in yeah. 2018, or excuse me, yeah, 2018, they were great. They won nine games. They sh- probably should have beaten Clemson that year and actually would have won the division had they beaten Clemson, would have would have probably kept Clemson winning the national title that year. That was when uh, when they knocked Trevor Lawrence out in his first start. And Chase Bryce had to come in and, and just save Clemson on fourth. I don't down. think people give Eric Dungey enough credit for how awesome he was to watch. Eric Dungey was great, but yeah. you know who's also great is Garrett Schrader. He That's looks right. like a different quarterback. And he's and a Hank Schrader's nephew. Did you know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> Hank Schrader from Breaking Bad. Yeah, the <laughs> FBI agent. Yeah, stop. <laughs> no, Garrett, Garrett Schrader is a guy who committed to Dan Mullen to play quarterback at Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, listen. They lost three games in eighteen, um, but they didn't. They started off four and two that year. So, yep, six and zero oh is a whole other. I mean, listen, if we made a list in July of this past year of most hopeless jobs in America, Kansas Syracuse and Syracuse be might be on the on the list. Yep, and, and the, we got the defense has been very good. They they want they had to win that weird Purdue game, but other than that. They've yeah, been but beating Purdue's really impressive. I know, I know exactly that that game was bananas at the end. But their defense has been good. Um, getting an eye on the staff after you know he you know he was with Bronco Mendenhall at Virginia. Yeah, and he comes over. I think that's helped a lot. I think that's helped Garrett Schrader quite a bit. Uh, Tucker's fantastic. His tweets where he uh, his Magic Johnson s tweets where he breaks down each game are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So. I, I'm just Andy. It's October 16th, and we are talking about Cuse. Can we just like we are talking about Cuse, and they <laughs> okay. are playing Clemson next week. And I'm going to ask you: Are they the biggest threat to Clemson the rest of the way? Yes. The uh, answer is yes. Yes. Hundred percent. Yes. yes. Go at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a fla- failing, a flailing pile of dog poop right now. Louis uh, Louisville, you know what the score is there. Miami and then South Carolina. So. You know, I don't know who they're lining up to play in the uh, ACC championship game right now, but it, uh, you know, it doesn't look like there's a team right now that can beat them. I mean, they were the biggest, uh, the three biggest, I mean, I guess preseason Notre Dame would have been too, but three of the four biggest tests on their schedule are already wins. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, the the fact that we're sitting here talking about Syracuse, I mean, that, that just makes me so happy. And again, I love that we can just celebrate that Syracuse is six and zero. That that TCU and Oklahoma played this incredible game today. That Tennessee is where they're at. 
we don't even need to get on to the the end of the season talk. And and I feel like most seasons we're already there. Are we there in mid October in most seasons? When does that usually start ramping up? I feel like we're already there in, in early October in a lot of seasons. Yeah. So for sure. I think it's a it's in a good point and the longer you can put it off, uh, the better, uh, because that means that teams like this are still relevant and it's exciting. So I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, this is this is uh, outstanding. Now, uh, bad news, you know, with NC State, Devin Leary is going to be out for the season. So yeah, uh, that stinks. Also in the ACC, North Carolina Duke was crazy. North Carolina, you know, after ruining Coach K's final game at Cameron. Beating Duke in the Final Four to end their season in basketball, they stole Duke's soul on Saturday night. Yeah, Just stole their soul. Like, I don't know what else you can do if you're Duke. You know, it's funny because I didn't uh, play this, but like North Carolina minus seven was one of my favorite plays of the week, and I forgot to do it. You're lucky, and then, you did. and then I and I didn't. Lo- but yeah, I mean, listen. Drake May is one of the awesome, brightest young stars in college football. Yeah. And watching him is a pleasure. So, you know, I don't know where North Carolina thinks it'll be next year. I've been, you know, they had some really, really good recruiting classes um, that should be kind of contributing in a big way by next year. But, you know, this team is a really fun team to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think a lot of the fun is that their defense gives up so many points and their offense has to go get them back. And that yeah. forces Drake May and company to be perfect. That is not, not really that much fun, but they're, they're what are they? Six and one now or five and one. Uh, they have, they have only one loss. Yeah. They, and their loss, loss is Notre, is to Dame, Notre Dame. So. And Notre Dame moved the ball on them. Like they were, I mean, it made crazy. it look easy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Notre Dame was awful against Stanford. Awful. Yeah. I don't even know where to begin with that one. It's bad. So Stuart Mandel, our colleague, pointed out that, you know, there wasn't much. He, you know, he's talking about the broadcast and, and there's been a lot of criticism of Jack Collinsworth and, and Jason Garrett as a broadcast team. And, and they're not they're not very good. Let's let's be real here. You're NBC. You have all the money in the world. You can do a lot better than that for Notre Dame. I'll just give you a hint. Mike Golick Jr. needs to be on your broadcast team. It's not complicated. Just today. figure it out. But <laughs> They, they, there wasn't much crowd noise in the mix in the broadcast, Stewart said. And I'm like, that's because they're not cheering. There's nothing to cheer for right now. They're getting whooped by Stanford, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were like a two-touchdown favorite, too. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it's year one. So how do you, how do you like, contextualize this for what this means? For Marcus, Marcus Freeman, Freeman is supposed to be recruiting very well. The, the recruiting rankings for Notre Dame are good for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. They're, they're ahead of where they were under Brian Kelly. So that suggests that they should be better over the next few years. So you give him grace this year because it's year one and he's learning to be head coach. But if Brian Kelly were the head coach of Notre Dame right now, we don't think they would be losing these games, right? We don't think so, no. So what we don't that, think, that means we don't think they lose to Marshall and we don't think they lose to Stanford. And Marshall's been losing bad games Right. We watched so, Marshall lose to the Raging Cajuns on Wednesday night last week. So, you know, he has to grow as a coach. Yeah. And maybe maybe the recruiting rankings will help with that, but this isn't a very good beginning. No, it's it's not. And 
Big win for Stanford and David Shaw, because I was starting to wonder about the David Shaw regime at Stanford. It, the, Dave, David Shaw at Stanford, Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, both of them would cost so much to buy out that there's no, they, they are perfectly safe as long as they want to be safe. You just would, we were wondering, would it get so bad that, that one of them would be like, ah, never mind. Yeah. You know, it, I need to make a change because I love this place and it's not working right now. Right. But that, that was a big win for David Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly a nice win for him. I don't know where, where things are at there, but, you know, one week at a time, step in the right direction, you know, all the good stuff. Oh, yeah. We got a little SEC to clean up before we, we head on out because down in the, the, the Alabama Tennessee game sucked all the oxygen out of the rest of the SEC, but there were some games that were, were quite intriguing. Will Levis came back for Kentucky, and, and remember a week ago, Kentucky played without Will, Will Levis and looked horrendous in a loss to South Carolina. Well, they looked pretty good in a win against Mississippi State. Now, I a know lot of that, that was one. Kentucky's, Kentucky's defense, but they uh, they needed that win bad. Yeah, I'm proud of that one. I, I was on that one uh, uh, on our show on Friday. I think you and Nicole both faded me. Oh, I, I thought Mississippi State would would roll. I, yeah. I thought, it, yeah, because, you know, Kentucky's offensive line hadn't been very good. So I didn't think Chris Rodriguez would be as successful as he was running the ball. And I didn't know because we, you know, Kentucky's defense had been had been pretty good in spots, but I wasn't sure exactly how good it was. And, and you know, Mississippi State had been able to torch some people. So yeah, I just feel I kind of just feel bad for Kentucky a little bit because South Carolina game. I don't know even how you how you analyze that one because Levis didn't play in it. And then well, the Ole Miss you, you game. Don't. I mean, it's like it's like the Oklahoma Texas game for Oklahoma. Like. Y- you are so quarterback dependent that you're not the same team without your guy. And then the week before they lost in a very painful way. Yeah, to, to Ole Miss. Miss. So like, I mean, they've got a good football team. They're more sturdy than you know than people give them credit for, and we certainly should not be jumping shit. Well, remember, that. Kentucky has a chance to shock the world in a couple weeks. Yes, two weeks. So Tennessee gets a, a, a two-week period. They to- get UT Martin, which this is, and I, I do think this is this is a correction in terms of scheduling for Tennessee because they saw how many times they got smashed by Alabama and it ruined them for the, the succeeding two or three weeks and cost mm-hmm. them games. And so that's probably why this game is where it is. This UT Martin's coming at a right time because – Back-to-back games against Kentucky and Georgia is quite the gauntlet. So Exactly. And three out of four with Alabama, I mean, come on. That's, yeah. that's rough. So. so not worried about the Tennessee letdown next week, but quite concerned about the Tennessee letdown against Kentucky in two weeks. So Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a letdown slash look ahead. Because you're playing you're playing a good team the week before you play Georgia. Yeah. So and if you let down, you could lose that game. Seriously, that's not a – you know, I just got done saying, can Kentucky, I mean, sorry, can Tennessee win a national title? But those are the games where an undisciplined team can end up losing. So it's important for them to try to make sure that they stay focused after the UT Martin game. Let's go to the town where I live. LSU comes in and beats the Gators. Uh, Jaden Daniels looked like a completely different quarterback than than he's looked all season. He was He was sharp throwing the ball. You know, you thought they'd be able to run the ball against Florida, and they 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 could. But I just 
was really surprised at how well they moved the ball through the air. Now, Florida had a shot at n- near the end. I know the Florida fans are furious because Gervon uh, Dexter got called for roughing the passer. That play erased an interception that would have given Florida a chance to tie the game. But maybe don't let a team average 10.9 yards a pass attempt, especially well, when that team has not been able to throw the ball against anybody, anybody. all season. Yeah, it's funny. That's like the weirdest thing about the sport that I'll never understand. It's like anybody who watched Daniels play all year is like, this guy can't throw for a first down to save his life. Then he comes out and drops 350 on Florida. It's like, yeah, 23 uh, of 32, 349 yards and three TDs with no picks. That's that stat line does not resemble any game. Now, maybe dude, I made, they played Grambling earlier this year. Maybe that game, but or so maybe Southern. Um, Andy, but, let's meet in Baton Rouge next Saturday. Oh, that's a good idea. Watch the Rebels play the uh, the Tigers. I mean, are we we kind of like are tied to Ole Miss a little bit? And if we don't go to to Baton Rouge on Saturday, then we have to. Go, I mean, I'm going to try to go to Kyle. We Ford probably should. You just you you get in the car and start driving east, and I'll get in the car and start driving. I mean, Baton west. Rouge we'll, is only like four or five hours away from Dallas, right? Uh, it's a little more than that, but it is. Yeah, this is solid eight eight forty five for me, but I'm happy to make that drive because it. That drive takes me through like Mobile and New Orleans. There's a lot of good eating along the along the way. So, yeah. but the the if LSU plays like this offensively, given what we saw from Ole Miss's defense against Auburn, there's there's a chance that LSU beats Ole Miss. It's like funny because we were looking at Ole Miss's schedule and we're like, this really sets up well for uh, being undefeated when they play Alabama uh, on November 12th, and it's like. All of a sudden, you're going on back-to-back road trips to LSU and Texas A&M. <laughs> right. Two teams it's, that like were going to be a disaster, but now we're feeling really good about themselves. Yeah, it's hard. That's a hard. That's a hard one-two punch there. Yeah. So I'm not. Right, I'm not chalking that up as a win for Ole Miss by any stretch. And and if Jaden Daniels has turned a corner, I mean that changes the way we look at LSU for the rest of this season. Yeah. Now I don't know if I don't know if that's true or that's just Florida's defense. I do know it's going to be a loud week for Billy Napier in Gainesville. He just better get used to it. This is this is how it's going to be for the rest of the season for him. He just 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 reel in those big recruits. That's that's going to be your job the, the rest yep. of the way this season because it's that's what you're going to be able to to try to point to because the results on the field are not making anybody happy. Let us go to Oxford though. Ole Miss ran for approximately 10 million yards on Auburn. It was. I, I don't know exactly where it ranks in terms of how many yard, uh, how many yards Auburn has given up on the ground. I, I think it's the most since at least two thousand. Ole Miss did anything they wanted on the ground. Four hundred forty-eight yards. Yeah, Auburn made it close because Ole Miss couldn't tackle anybody either. Yep. But at some point. Do you have to do the bar, the Brian Harson thing? They're going yeah, into an know. open week now. If it do happens do it? tomorrow, do we go live? I mean, yes, we do because it's a it's a job that. I mean that that team won the national title in 2010. They played for the national title in 2013. They won the SEC West in 2017. That's a program that can that has a very high ceiling. So absolutely, I think if if they do it, we'll have an emergency show, but. 
it won't be a surprise. Mm -mm. But I also won't be surprised if they're like, you know what? We don't feel great about all our interim options. And we don't have an AD in place yet. So maybe we just hang out. Because it's not like they're not capable of vetting candidates now while Brian Harson still works for them. Everybody knows he's not going to be the coach in 2023. Yeah, it's about finding the sweet spot of timing. I don't know how you handle that. That's hard. Yeah, I mean, the, the question, because I'm not sure he's lost the team. It, it feels like they're still playing very hard. Yeah, I mean, did you watch Tank Bigsby run? That guy was running with some passion. Absolutely. On and, Saturday. And, you know, it was a terrible day for for Derek Hall and, and Owen Papo and the rest of the defense. But, you know, you, you heard him interviewed after the game, and they're still... Uh, still trying, still, you know, want to win. It's not, it's clear nobody's given up. And so if they haven't given up, then maybe you do let it ride for a little bit longer. Yeah. I mean, their recruiting class doesn't really matter at this point. I, I was looking at the numbers. They have one top 200 recruit in the 24-7 sports composite. Alabama has 16 and Georgia has 15. That's all you really need to know about Brian Harson's tenure. Now, <laughs> He had no chance to recruit for the class of 2023 after the coup attempt, but it wasn't like he was trying to get a lot of those players anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's all the same stuff of... Doesn't get it uh, in terms of what it needs to happen with the recruiting. Was put in an impossible position to recruit. His team is not very good, and they have no uh, prospects of being good in the future. So, I mean, I don't know what, what you point to here. Yeah. So, I mean, they just have to figure out what they're going to do, if they're going to do it. They've got two weeks before they play again. They're going to play Arkansas, which Arkansas went to BYU, and KJ couldn't be tackled. <laughs> like KJ Jefferson was back, couldn't be tackled. Uh, they won. They needed the win badly. And actually, if Arkansas can, can really get rolling here, it saves their season. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what you do if you're Auburn. It's a tough situation, but something different is around the corner. And, and I think you just keep hanging your hat on that and say, you know what, whatever happens the rest of this year, it's not, it's kind of just yep. for kicks just for, just for fun. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But Ari, before we go, I want to leave everybody with this because I believe the last power five team without a win collected its first win on Saturday Sure did, pal. The Colorado Buffaloes beat the Cal Bears in overtime. So we'll leave you with this. What a day. What a Saturday. Best sport in the world. People like this are why. Bob Now imagine 100,000 people doing that, and that's Tennessee. Good night, everybody.